And man, I'm so glad to be in church today and I'm excited to get ready to uh, to study with you in God's word what we're going to study today. But I have a confession to make uh, before we begin. Uh, and some of you are, are like me. And, and here's my confession. When I had young children and my son now, my son's going to be 11 this summer. My little girl is eight. Uh, but when they were little, I used to teach them um, that there were some words that I that I referred to as bad words that weren't really bad words. Um, any, any of you like that when you have kids? I mean, they were inappropriate words. They were words that four and five and six and seven year old, uh, shouldn't be saying, but they weren't, they weren't what I would call bad words. And I learned this the hard way. Uh, one day my son came home from school when he was in kindergarten. Um, and he said, dad, dad. And I said, what? He said, dad, some kids said the S word at school today. And I thought, Ooh, did S word, did he get in trouble? She said, no, the teacher didn't do anything. Dad, you're allowed to say the S word at school, but the S word is a bad word. And, you know, I was curious because, you know, he's five and I'm thinking one word in my head and he's thinking another. And I said, what, Christian, what is, what's the S word? And he said, Dad, you want me to say it? I said, yeah, go, go ahead and say it. What's the S word? And he said, stupid. And I said, yeah, you know, that's, that's, that's probably not a bad word that will get you sent to the office. But it's not a word that I want you to say. You know, we, we talk the S word stupid. You know, you don't say that. That You know, the D word is dumb. You don't call people dumb. But a few weeks later, he came home and he said, Dad. Another kid said a bad word today. So what did, he, what did he say? Dad, he said the F word. And I thought, you know, he probably said fart or something like that. You know, that is an inappropriate word. So I said, well, what did he say? He said, you want me to say it? And I said, yeah, say it. So bam, he just dropped it. The real one, the, the real F word. And I said, you know, first, you know, Lord, forgive me for making my six-year-old say that word. Um, but then, I, you know. I said, okay, that one, that one really is a bad one. Um, you probably don't want to say that, or you're probably going to get sent to the office. You might get expelled from school, and your, your mom and I might kick you out of the house. So that one, um, that one really is a bad word. Don't say the F word. Uh, you know, it's interesting, as we study Scripture, and as we live, try to live the Christian life, uh, I have found out that there are a few F words in Christianity, some that, uh, some that we celebrate a lot. And some that we don't like to say, we don't like to talk about, we don't like to think about, because they're hard. Um, and today I want to talk to you um, about one of the spiritual F words that, uh, that is difficult in life to practice, and it's the word forgiveness. Uh, we are in a series at our church called Words with Friends, six words that can change your life. Last week we talked about balance and the need for balance and priority in your life, especially if you're a young family with young kids. How do you put it all together? How do you know what's most important, what's least important, and how to have some kind of balance? We talked about that Sabbath day concept. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Next week we're going to talk about uh, blessing. Two weeks from then we're going to talk about shame. And then we'll wrap up our series of Sunday after Mother's Day, and we're going to talk about discouragement. Six words, six concepts, six emotions that... If you can overcome these, your life will forever radically be different. But we're going to start in Matthew chapter 6 today. If you have your Bible, Matthew chapter 6 is where we are. If you didn't bring your Bible today, our ushers are going to come down the aisle. They've got Bibles that you can have, that you can use, that you can borrow. Just wave at them. They'll give you one. Uh, it's one of our goals that all of our people on Sundays at least have access to a Bible to bring to church, to open, to put on their lap. We're going to read it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to study it. We're going to write in it. We're going to mark in it. Uh, so we want you to have a Bible. If you did not bring a Bible today, you just forgot, wave at our ushers. They'll give you one throw it on the table when you leave we'll give to someone else next week if you don't have a bible keep this one this one's yours put your name in it uh we've we've given away coming upon now 300 bibles in the seven months that we've been a church uh and maybe that will be the greatest ministry that our church will ever do is just giving people a copy of god's word so that they can know him for for uh, for themselves but really most of you don't need a bible today 
to study the text that we're going to go over because we're going to go over the Lord's Prayer. Uh, and most of you can uh, most of you can probably recite the Lord's Prayer by heart or you've heard it. Uh, you know a little bit about it, but we actually find it in Matthew chapter six. And as we study the Lord's Prayer, uh, man, we see two things in the context of the Bible in the Lord's Prayer that should stop every Christian. Let me let me say this. Look at me. I, I want to be honest. We see two things in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6 that should cause us to never pray this prayer again without first making sure we mean it. Because we challenge God in the Lord's Prayer to do something that, that we don't want Him to do to us if we don't understand the concept of forgiveness. Let me read the Lord's Prayer to you. You've probably heard it said a little differently, but it's pretty close. We're in Matthew chapter 6. We'll start in verse 9 and go all the way through verse 15. Here's all the teaching um, on prayer. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, on your sermon notes, if you're brand new, we handed you these when you walked in today so that you could follow along and take notes. Um, There's two things. I don't know if you saw it, but they jump out of the Bible for someone who's paying attention. So I just have two big questions in all capital letters bolded. Did you see? Did you just see what the Bible said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 12? Because it said something there that you need to see before you ever even utter this prayer again in your life. And here's what it says in verse 12. And I need you to circle one word. Forgive us our debts as. I need you to circle the word as. Because that word means in the same way. You see, every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're you're saying this. God, forgive me the same way that I forgive people who hurt me. Now let me stop and ask you this question. Do you really mean that? Do you really want God to forgive you the same way that you have forgiven people who have hurt you? You want God to forgive you the way that you have forgiven your spouse, your former spouse uh, who you're since divorced from. You want God to forgive you the same way that you have forgiven your boss who fired you or humiliated you at work. You want uh, God to forgive you the same way that you forgave somebody who mentally or physically uh, or emotionally or sexually abused you. You want God to forgive you the same way that you have forgiven a parent who wasn't there for you uh, or maybe kids who have horribly rebelled against you. Do you really want God to forgive you the way that you forgive others? Because every time you pray the Lord's Prayer, you're saying, Lord, forgive me just like I forgive everyone else. You know, you're basically saying, God, if I hold grudges against anyone who's ever hurt me, I want you to hold a grudge against me. That's a dangerous prayer to pray. And you need to know that as you understand and just recite the Lord's Prayer. And then I need you to see something else. Because in verses 14 and 15, Jesus mentions a lot of things in the Lord's Prayer. He mentions honoring God. He mentions the end times, the kingdom. Uh, He mentions having our daily needs taken care of. Uh, He mentions temptation. He mentions from being delivered from things that will hurt us spiritually. But in verses 14 and 15, of all the things that Jesus could have said, let me really explain this one to you. He didn't explain the holiness of God. He didn't explain the temptation to sin. He didn't explain how much we needed daily bread. The only thing he said, I want to make sure you don't miss this, that he went on to explain after the Lord's Prayer was forgiveness. So we need to see Jesus, the only extended teaching 
on the Lord's Prayer from Jesus, the only thing Jesus said you really need to understand before you pray this prayer is the part on forgiveness. And Jesus says this in verse 14. For if, and I need you to circle the word if, if you have a Bible on your lap. If not, you need to write it on your sermon notes. That's a big word. That's two big two-letter words, as and if. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if, you should circle that if in verse 15. But if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. So today we talk about forgiveness. And today we try to wrap our head around maybe the most difficult spiritual concept in the history of the world. And my goal today, by the time we leave, my goal today is not by the time we leave to get you to pray a prayer in your chair and forgive someone who has hurt you. I wish it could happen that easy. I don't think it happens that easy. But my goal today is that you learn how to forgive. And if you have your sermon notes, this is an important word, the word learn. Right here, learning to forgive, you need to circle that word learning. Because we find this concept spiritually does not come easy. And Jesus had to go over it with his disciples over and over and over and over again. And this was, even in the final days of Jesus' life, this was something that his disciples didn't get. They couldn't quite understand how you were supposed to like forgive people who would hurt you. It didn't make sense to them that you would forgive those who were against you. So today we're, we're like the disciples. We're just going to try to figure it out. It's probably not going to happen, but if we can take step one today, learning to forgive and understand how important it is, I think lives can be radically changed this morning. Uh, The Apostle Peter, after three years with Jesus, did not totally understand forgiveness. In Matthew chapter 18, this is in the final months of Jesus' ministry and life. Uh, I love this. Jesus had taught on forgiveness, and Peter, Peter was still like, you know, okay, like I get, like if somebody offends you, you forgive them. But like, what if they keep on doing it? What if they don't change? Like, when do I stop Forgiving. This is Peter, Jesus, like, like his A plus disciple, and he couldn't quite grasp this concept. It says in Matthew eighteen twenty one and twenty two. So Peter came to Jesus. He said, "Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven? See, in this in this day, the Pharisees said that super spiritual people would forgive three times. It's mandated that you forgive once. If you're really spiritual, you forgive three. So Peter thought, well, I'm more spiritual than most spiritual people. So I'll say seven. So is that is that like Jesus? Does that make me more spiritual than anyone? I, I can't grasp this forgiveness thing seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven, but 70 times seven, which was a saying that meant infinity. However many times someone hurts you, that's how many times, Peter, you forgive him. See, Peter was like one of Jesus best earthly friends. He struggled to understand how you could forgive someone who had hurt you so deeply. One of my favorite uh, narratives in the entire Bible is in Luke chapter 9. Jesus had 12 disciples. He had three that we say were in his inner circle, Peter, James, and John. These three experienced more life with Jesus than any other disciple. These three experienced more intimacy with Jesus than any other disciple. These were like if he had three best friends, it was Peter, James, and John. And what's funny is James and John also didn't understand this concept of, hey, when someone offends you, when, you know, when, when somebody does something wrong to you, just it's okay to overlook it. It's okay to forgive. Um, and what they, what they say to Jesus, I mean, it's almost funny when you look at it. In Luke chapter 9, verses 51 through 55, and I'm quoting out of the New King James Version, it says, It came to pass when the time had come for him, that's Jesus, to be received up. That means to go to Jerusalem to die. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and he sent messengers before him. And as they went, they entered the village of the Samaritans to prepare for him. 
but they wouldn't receive him because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? But Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're of. Here's what happened. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem. He had to pass through a town to go to Jerusalem. But this town was located in a place that hated Jews and they hated anyone going to Jerusalem. So he said, hey, go, go let this town know we're coming. See if there's some place where we can eat dinner and stay all night. And they went into this town and said, hey, we're coming. We're on our way to Jerusalem. Can we have some place to eat dinner and stay all night? And they said, if you're going to Jerusalem, you can't stay here. So Jesus, who had taught forgiveness to his his disciples, and certainly his closest friends in the world, these disciples came back to him and said, listen, not only is there no place to eat, but they won't even let us stay there. And I know you've been teaching all this stuff on forgiveness, but here's, here's our idea. Let's kill them. That's what James and John said. Like, they offended us, so should we kill them? Jesus looked at him and said, are you crazy? Are you crazy? He said, you don't know what manner of spirit you're in. He's like, he, he literally was saying, if we could translate this in modern day language, you are out of your mind. What do you mean can you kill them? Just get over it. Overlook. Jesus, even with his closest, best disciples, struggled to teach this concept of forgiveness. Forgiveness is hard. We're going to find out as we, as we look through this uh, text in the Bible that really the only place we can learn about forgiveness, really the only world religion that even offers a forgiveness. The only person whose nature it is to want to forgive is God. If we're going to study forgiveness, we have to study God. If we're going to study forgiveness, we're going to say, what is it that makes him forgive? And how does he forgive? And how does it all work? So really, today's study is more a study about God than it is forgiveness. But if we're going to learn forgiveness, the only person in world history who majored in forgiveness in college was God. He's the only one who offers it. And that's why the Old Testament is filled with verses about this, this forgiving nature of God. In Jeremiah 31, verse 34, God says there's going to come a day when people will no longer have to teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because everyone will know me from the least to the greatest declares their wickedness. Why? For I'll forgive their wickedness. And I won't remember their sins anymore. God says I'm going to be a God who's going to forgive people when they, when they fall short, when they sin against me, when they offend me. When they do something that's not very nice to me, I'm going to forgive. In Isaiah 1, 1.18, God says to Isaiah, come now, let us, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they're going to be as white as snow. Though they're red as crimson, they're going to be like wool. God says I'm going to take your sin and I'm going to rub it out of your life and I'm going to forgive you. In Psalm 31, verses 1 and 2, I love what David writes. David, speaking as someone who has been forgiven, says, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Man, if you've been forgiven of something you've done wrong, you're blessed. If your sins are covered, you're blessed. Verse 2, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord doesn't count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. So in the Old Testament, God says, I'm going to be someone who's going to forgive you. And people responded in the Old Testament by saying, that's unbelievable. That will change my life forever and ever and ever. And then in the New Testament, Jesus says, you need to learn to forgive too. But learning to forgive is difficult. What do we learn about forgiveness as we study God's word from God's point of view? Four things I want to show you. And my goal today is not to make you feel bad for someone you're holding a grudge against. I understand. My goal today is not to make you feel less spiritual because you're bitter about something. I understand. All of us have been there. Some of us today, including me, are holding grudges and bitter about things that if we were more spiritually mature, we wouldn't be. But we have to look at what the Bible says about forgiveness, and we have to try to move 
in that direction. So what does the Bible say? First and foremost, the Bible says that forgiveness is hard. It's hard. You say, why? I really shouldn't have to answer that question. Um, If you live in a world that we live in, somebody has hurt you. Somebody has offended you. Um, You know, more than half the world has been divorced. And probably that number is very well represented in our congregation. Forgiveness is hard. Why? Because somebody's decisions may have ruined the picture of your life that you had. Um, the world is hard because of uh, because of crime. You know, people have been sinned against. They've had people come against them. And forgiving someone who's committed a crime against you is difficult. Our world is filled with abuse, from mental abuse to emotional abuse to sexual abuse to physical abuse to just flat-out neglect. Our, our world is filled with hard things that, that happen. Our, our world is filled with harm. Our world is filled with hardship. And when you look at it, it's much easier. I mean, you could take it even a step further. It's much easier to forgive someone for what they did to you, even if they wounded you deeply, than it is to forgive someone. Think about if somebody hurt one of your kids, how hard it would be to forgive someone who injured one of your children or who injured somebody who was close to you. See, forgiveness is hard because human emotion runs deep. Forgiveness is hard. Matter of fact, I I want you to say those three words. Forgiveness is hard. Say those words. Say it again. This is not an easy spiritual concept. Because some of the things that have happened to us in life have hurt and hurt deeply. And they have radically altered forever the course of our life. Our lives will never be the same. It's not just we can't just flippantly say no big deal. It is a big deal. Our lives, our family, our finances, our emotions, everything about us has been altered radically because of what someone did to us. To say forgive them and move on is a very calloused way to look at it. Forgiveness is hard. And forgiveness is not natural. As a matter of fact, even as you study scripture, we get to the book of Matthew before forgiveness even becomes a religious thing in Israel. If you read Matthew chapter 5 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, you know, the Old Testament's teaching this, but we're transitioning to this age of forgiveness. The Old Testament, he says, says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. What does that mean? Somebody knocks your eye out, you knock their eye out. Somebody knocks your teeth out, you knock their teeth out. It's not much of a forgiving Old Testament that we read, but Jesus said, I'm going to change things. And I'm going to tell you, man, if somebody hits you on one side of the face, let him hit the other also. Somebody takes advantage of you and makes you go one mile, go two. If somebody's trying to sue you for your coat, give them your shirt too. I'm going to change the game. And we're going, to, we're going to take people who have hurt us and we're going to begin to interact differently with them. And we're going to begin trying to forgive. You know, Christianity, if you study it closely, is the only religion that teaches forgiveness as a means to eternal life. You don't have to, as a Christian, take an X number of year mission and knock on so many doors to earn your way into heaven. You don't have to, if you're a Christian, um, you know, fly a plane like the Japanese kamikaze pilots during Pearl Harbor. You don't have to be a martyr for your country and for your emperor to earn your way into heaven or like today's terrorists. There's nothing in Christianity you have to do to earn God's love and to earn God's favor and to earn God's forgiveness except accept it. Say, hey, I'll I'll take it. Christianity is unique in the world in that it offers forgiveness, but it also tells us to forgive. And here's what Christianity does. Christianity says you need to forgive people who don't deserve to be forgiven. That's hard. 
You need to forgive people who are not asking you to forgive them because they don't even think what they did is wrong to you. That's hard. You need to forgive people who don't even care if you forgive them because their life has not been altered. They don't even think about you. They've moved on, yet you are just dying, holding on to what happened to you. You need to forgive those type of people. That's hard. Christianity says you need to forgive people who have not even comprehended nor cared that your life has been upset in the slightest way. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. If you picture that scenario that I just talked about, somebody not deserving forgiveness, somebody not asking for forgiveness, somebody not caring about forgiveness, somebody not even comprehending that they needed to be forgiven, we picture Jesus on the cross, right? And there's the crowd around his feet that is crucifying him, that's yelling at him, that's slandering him. Here's a pagan Roman who worships the gods of Mount Olympus who really could care less about Jesus being the Son of God. These people don't deserve forgiveness. They're not asking for forgiveness. They don't want forgiveness. They don't think they need forgiveness. It's not even on their radar. And what does Jesus say from the cross? Luke 23, 24. Father, what are the two words? Forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. Now, they, they, they right now don't even want my forgiveness. They don't even know right now that they need to be forgiven. They don't even think that they've done anything wrong. They could care less that I'm getting ready to die, and I've done nothing wrong. But God, I'm going to ask you to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. God, if they were closer to you, God, if they knew who I was, they'd feel bad about this. And they don't, but I'm going to forgive them anyway. Even the most hardened person in the most difficult circumstance, Jesus on a cross, needs to be able to say, I forgive you. But Christian, they ruined my life and they don't even care. I know forgiveness is hard. But Christian, they, Christian, if you understand the life that my kids have to live now because my husband did this or my wife did this or because my boss did this, Christian, if you could only only understand how they've hurt us, I know, I understand, but forgiveness is hard. Number two, according to the Bible, forgiveness is necessary. You see, it's necessary for you and it's necessary for me in light of God and how we've offended God and how we've let down God and how we've not measured up to the standard and how we've hurt God. It's necessary for us to be forgiven. But guess what? It's necessary for us to do the forgiving. Why? Real interesting text in Romans chapter 12 that's going to teach us this. Romans 12, 18 is a verse that every Christian should um, maybe not have memorized, but at least need to know the concept of it. In Romans chapter 12, Uh, Paul is teaching the church in Rome what it means to be a Christian. And here's what he says in Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 18. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serve the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless them. Don't curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Be willing to associate with people in low position. Don't be conceited. Don't repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. Romans twelve eighteen, one of the greatest verses in Scripture. Hey, if it's possible, as long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You say, why is forgiveness necessary? Because we've been commanded, if it's possible, to try to live at peace with people. 
And in order for you and I to do that, Paul gives two commands to the Christians in Romans chapter 12. He said, one, live in harmony. Live in harmony with people. And two, he says, live at, live at peace with people. Now, this isn't always going to be possible. Because there's some people who don't want to live in harmony with us. They don't want to live in peace with us. And you're going to find out in just a second, but you might write it down now because it's a pretty important point. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. doesn't mean you're going to be best friends with a person the rest of your life. But it means on the inside spiritually you have let go of an offense. And you've given it to God and you say, God, I'm not going to hold it against this person anymore. You know, forgiveness is hard, but forgiveness is necessary. Why is forgiveness necessary? Because we live in a world filled with people like you and like me, who sometimes do the wrong things in the wrong situations to the wrong people. Listen, not only does everyone in here have someone that probably you need to forgive, probably everyone in here has someone out there in the world that needs to forgive you because you've done the wrong thing at the wrong time in the wrong way. You didn't mean to. It's just we live in an imperfect world and we're imperfect people. I love what Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says. It talks about the acts of the flesh. What, what is the acts of the flesh? It means people who don't always do what God wants them to do. Galatians chapter 5 says there's acts of the flesh, and then there's the life in the spirit. The spiritual life always does what God wants it to do. How many of you in here always do what God wants you to do? Raise your hand. Okay, you're a liar. Okay, I don't think anyone put their hand up. But there's no one in here who always does, who always does what God wants them to do. Say, well, what is it called when I don't do what God wants me to do? What is it called? According to Galatians 5, you're just acting in the flesh. You're, just, you're acting according to your nature. You're reacting. You're making a decision, but it wouldn't be the decision God would want you to make. How do those decisions play out in the world? Usually not good. The acts of the flesh are obvious, Galatians 5, 19 through 21 says. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred. And you say, ooh, those are really bad. I don't do any of those. But then you get into some of these. Discord, eh, jealousy, eh, fits of rage. I know nobody in here ever gets angry and throws anything, right? I mean, no one in here has ever got angry and thrown something and put a mark on their master bedroom wall that's still there to this day. I mean, no one has ever done that, right, Danielle? I mean... At some point in time, we need to cover that mark up. I know. It was me. It wasn't Danielle, for those of you who are wondering. In every house we've lived in, there's a mark on a wall where I've had a fit of rage because I don't always do what God wants me to do. Selfish ambition, eh. dissensions, factions, envy, eh. drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, those people who live like this aren't going to inherit the kingdom of God. Listen, that's you and me when we're not living like God wants us to live. And there's some really bad ones that you say, wow, I never do that, those. And then there are some that you're like, eh, I might have done that last week. And because we sometimes do that last week, and because a whole lot of people do it every week, forgiveness is necessary. Every single time, forgiveness is necessary. So forgiveness is hard. Got it. This is not going to be an easy concept to grasp, but it's necessary. It's a concept we have to grasp. Number three we're going to learn, and maybe here's where we begin to move forward spiritually. According to the Bible, forgiveness is a decision. It's not an emotion. Forgiveness is not something you begin by feeling. I don't feel mad at them anymore. I don't feel hurt by them anymore. I never even think about it anymore. Now, forgiveness isn't an emotion that one day you just wake up and everything is forgiven. According to Scripture, forgiveness is a decision. I decide to forgive someone. Say, where is it? Isaiah 43, 25. 
God says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. And I remember your sins no more. Now, here's a really interesting concept of, of God that we don't have time to get into all the theology of it. But, you know, in theology, they tell you that God is omniscient, which means he's all knowing that God is omnipresent, which means that God is everywhere uh, all the time, and that God is omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. But that omniscient point, all-knowing, means he knows everything that has ever happened, everything that will ever happen. And if God truly is omniscient, if he truly knows everything that's ever happened, God can't forget things. And I used to hear people say, God forgets your sin. Like, wait a minute. Like a memory lapse? God can't forget things. And then I read that, and God didn't say, I'll forget your sins. Did you read that? Put that verse back up on the screen. God didn't say, I'll forget your sins. You see what God said? He said, I'll remember your sin no more. See, I can't forget it because I'm God, but I can choose not to remember it and think about it every day. And I can choose not to hold it against you. I can make a decision not to remember your sin and hold it against you and dwell on it all the time. So forgiveness is a decision, not an emotion. God didn't forget the life that you used to lead before you became a Christian. He has just chosen that it's not important in his relationship with you. It's been forgiven and he's not going to dwell on it. See, God can choose not to remember because he's God. Unfortunately for you and I, that comes a little harder. I mean, I wish all of us could go home today and not and choose not to remember what someone has done to us spiritually, but it doesn't quite work that way. And I'll tell you what, I had a radical transformation in my mind what it meant in your heart to decide to forgive someone. Um, when I read a book recently on marriage, and it's a book that I highlighted a lot um, in, our, in our marriage series that we did a few months ago, but it's a book called Love and Marriage. Um, and in that book, the author of that book talks about how true forgiveness is needed in every marriage. If a marriage doesn't have forgiveness, it's not going to make it because there are no perfect people in a marriage, which means marriage always needs forgiveness. But in this book, ten things were listed about what forgiveness is not. Not what forgiveness is, but what forgiveness is not. And I didn't put these on your sermon notes. Um, I added these late to my message. They're going to be on the screen behind me. You're not going to be able to write all these down, but I need you to grasp these concepts. And one of these ten is going to grab your heart and hopefully allow you to decide to forgive someone and begin to let go of an offense. Um, Mark Driscoll, the author of the book, said forgiveness, number one, is not denying something happened. It's not approving of something that happened. And it's not diminishing the sin that's been committed against us. Forgiving people is not saying that wasn't that big a deal. You know, maybe, you know, maybe they didn't mean it. Forgiveness is not just denying that something ever happened. It's recognizing everything and saying, you know, what? I'm going to choose I'm just going to choose to forgive them. I'm going to release it in my spirit. Secondly, forgiveness is not naivety. Forgiveness is not, oh, you know, I'm sure they didn't mean it. And they won't do it again. Um, forgiveness is not just being aloof spiritually and not understanding. Number three, forgiveness is not enabling sin. I'm just going to keep forgiving someone and, you know, just I know they go out every night and they continue to sleep around and they continue to do this. And they continue to cheat on their tax. Forgiveness is not allowing someone to just live in sin without ever checking them spiritually. Forgiveness, number four, but this is going to be a big one for a lot of you. Forgiveness is not waiting for someone to acknowledge sin. It's not waiting for them to apologize. It's not waiting for them to repent. Because in many cases, that's never going to happen. Like with 
the folks at Jesus Cross, they just don't care. They don't care that they've hurt you. They don't care that they've screwed up your life. They don't care the situation that your kids are left. They just don't care because they're selfish. They, they live in the flesh. They don't care. So forgiveness doesn't mean I'll forgive them when they apologize. Sometimes they're never going to apologize. Uh, number five, forgiveness is not forgetting about the sin that was committed against us. It doesn't mean, you know, like we said, well, just one day it'll just go away and I won't ever think about it anymore. Um, number six, forgiveness is not dying emotionally and no longer feeling the pain of transgression. Well, I'll forgive when it doesn't hurt anymore. I'll forgive when it doesn't make me cry anymore. I'll forgive when I'm finally back up on my feet and I feel like I don't need them anymore. That's not what forgiveness is. Forgiveness, number seven, man, this is awesome. Forgiveness is not a one-time event. You know, some of you have already forgiven someone, and then that bitterness creeps back up. You say, well, you know, three months ago I wrote them a letter. Four years ago I wrote them a letter, and I told them I forgive them. But today I hate them. Then you need to forgive them again. Every time the bitterness creeps up, you need to forgive. You just need to let it go. God, I forgave them. I'm going to turn this over to you. It's not just a one-time event. It's something you do often. Uh, number eight, forgiveness is not reconciliation. And this makes a lot of sense when you, when you think about it. Um, you can forgive some, a spouse that you have divorced without wanting to be married again. You can forgive someone who has maybe committed a crime against you without wanting them to not have to go to jail. You can forgive someone who has committed a crime against your child while making sure that they still um, face, face their punishment that is due them. That is, uh, we see that in number nine. Forgiveness is not neglecting justice. Some things that people do have to be punished. Because they're not only immoral, they're illegal. And forgiveness doesn't mean, hey, I'm just, I'm just going to leave it alone. Forgiveness doesn't mean that I'm, I'm going to give you 100% of the assets because I forgive you. That's not what forgiveness means. Um, but then number 10, man, and as I was going through this, I laughed at Danielle. And I said, this stupid book, man, it got me. Um, it got me. Because number 10, the book says, the true test of when our decision to forgive has actually become an emotion of forgiveness in us is when our tongue ceases to speak bitterness about the situation. And I read that, and I thought, dang, <laughs> you know, not there yet. I've decided in a lot of different occasions to forgive someone, but my mouth betrays my heart. My, my spiritual mind says, I have forgiven. My mouth says, I'm still angry and bitter. You know, so I'm true, still trying to, I've got to either figure out how not to say what I think or to quit thinking what I think, which would be true emotion of forgiveness. Some of you, you know, have said, oh, I have forgiven someone, but you get in a room for five minutes and, man, you just start bashing. And your words are saying, I have not forgiven. The decision has not been made. I'm going to take these later and I'll post them on our church Facebook because I know not everyone was able to, to write those down so you can have those. Some of you like need to print those out and hang them in your office, in your bathroom, by your bedroom, in your car. Some of you need to take these to work with you because you've been mistreated at work. Some of you need to carry these ten with you. So that you can say, okay, God, I need to forgive. I need to forgive. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is necessary. But forgiveness is a decision. I'm going to decide to forgive. And what does decide to forgive mean? Deciding to forgive means that I'm going to let it go. That's literally what it means. Um, Deciding to forgive is literally going from a clenched fist to an open hand. I'm just, I'm going to let it go. I'm not going to dwell on it. Every day for the rest of my life, I can't change it. If I could, I would. I can't change it. I can't make the other person even feel sorry about it. But I'm going to let it go and I'm going to trust God. That's what forgiveness is. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to trust God. And I'm not going to dwell on it every day the rest of my life. 
So forgiveness, it's a decision. It's not an emotion. And if you make the decision enough times, it can create emotion where you don't feel it anymore. But most of us are a long way from that. And then finally, number four, uh, the Bible says that forgiveness is actually for you. It's for us, not them. Forgiveness doesn't free the person who has sinned against you. It frees you from dwelling on it all the time. Um, Actually, the Bible says the opposite. When you forgive someone, you kind of enslave them to the Spirit of God until hopefully they want to come and apologize for what they've done. But forgiveness is for you. Look at me, everyone in here. Those of you who are struggling forgiving someone, probably most of this message you've been thinking about them, probably today between 1045 and 1126, they haven't thought of you one time. That's the truth of the matter. You're fixated on something that they're not even thinking about because the Spirit of God isn't in them. See, forgiveness is for you. It allows you to let go. Say, well, what about them? You just got to leave them to God. You can't control them. You can't make them sorry. You can't make them change. You can't make them uh, correct what they did wrong. Forgiveness is for you, not for them. So let me give you five forgiveness tips. And, uh, and then we'll be done this morning. Um, number one, if, uh, if somebody in your life has sincerely asked you for forgiveness, if they've wronged you, then you need to forgive them. And, and if someone has asked you for forgiveness, then you need to call them and say, I forgive you. And you can tell them, this doesn't mean that I agree with what you did. This doesn't mean we're going to be best friends again. This doesn't mean that I want to be married to you anymore. But you have asked me to forgive you, and I am going to decide to forgive you. You have to forgive people according to the Lord's Prayer in Scripture when they sin against you. Number two, if somebody has not asked you for your forgiveness, you need to forgive them. You're going to find a common theme here in these five forgiveness tips. If somebody hasn't asked you for forgiveness, you need to forgive them. Now listen, I'm not going to tell you to pick up the phone on this one. Because some of you live in difficult situations where if you wrote a letter to someone and said, hey, you really hurt me and I want you to know I forgive you, it would, it would just ignite a, a, a blow up. It's not going to be any good for you. Um, they'll tell you how they don't need it and they didn't do anything and it'll just be, it'll be chaos all over again. So Andy Stanley in his book, Enemies of the Heart, he says, if you need to forgive someone who has not asked for your forgiveness and who doesn't care, Here's what he recommends doing. He said, you need to set a chair in a room and put a picture of them on that chair or just picture them in that chair. And he said, you need to sit down in front of an invisible chair so you can say it. And you need to call them by name and say, I forgive you for what you've done to me. I'm going to let it go. Some of you have people you can't call up and tell them you forgive them because it'll make the problem worse. But you need to mentally and physically get a picture, sit down in an imaginary chair, And say, hey, John Doe, I forgive you for being such a bum. Not because it was right, but because God has forgiven me, I'm going to forgive you. And and I might have to forgive you every day for the next thousand days before I feel it. But I'm going to decide today to forgive you. Number three, if somebody refuses to acknowledge that they've hurt you and they reject your forgiveness, guess what? You need to forgive them. I don't want your forgiveness. Say, you know what? It's not for you. It's for me. I need to let this go. I know you don't care 
because you're a dirty, rotten scoundrel. You probably shouldn't say that. That's not the spirit that God wants you to, to have. Um, but you know what? If somebody rejects it, you need to forgive them. Forgiveness is for you, not them. Number four, when all the old emotions from an old offense rise to the surface of your life, then you need to forgive them again. Some of you are beginning to deal with the emotions of a wound this morning that you thought 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago you'd forgiven. And guess what? You have. But today you need to forgive them again. That's the way it works. Every time the old emotion rises up, forgive them again. And then number five, and I'll, I'll throw this all up online too in case you can't write fast enough. As a Christian, the Bible says we need to live in a spirit of forgiveness because you live within a spirit of being forgiven. See, the only way we can have a relationship with God is, it, is because He forgives us, not once, but every time we sin against Him. We exist as Christians within a spirit of being forgiven. So as Christians, if we understand that, we want to exist within a spirit of always forgiving. That's the way it works. Some of you last week, man, heard the message on balance and you thought balance is going to be hard to achieve, but I'll try. This week's message is going to be met this way. Christian, I understand what you're saying. It all makes biblical sense. I don't know that I can do that. It hurts really bad what happened. I know and I'm sorry. Christian, they'll never be able to repair what has been done to me. I know and I'm sorry. But if you can, step one, release it spiritually. Make a decision. God, I want... And the prayer today may sound more like this. God, I want to forgive them. Help me. Because, you know, I know spiritually I should, but they just... Man, if only this would happen to them. You see, Jesus changed the game. Many of us would would say in our scenario, we'd like to live in the Old Testament times. They hurt me, I'd like to hurt them. But then we look at our relationship with God and we say, I'll take New Testament because I offended God, but I don't want him to kill me. I need forgiveness. If we need forgiveness, we need to give forgiveness. That's the way it works spiritually. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you right now to bow your head and close your eyes. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm talking to you right now where you are in your chair. I'm not talking to the person sitting next to you. I'm not talking to the person sitting in front of you. I'm not talking to the person sitting Behind you. I'm talking to you right now this morning. And here is my question for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Is there someone that you need to forgive? Or forgive again? Or forgive for the tenth time? Or the hundredth time? Is there something this morning that you need to begin to learn how to let go of? I told you it wouldn't happen by the end of the service. I wish it could, but I don't, think it, I don't think it happens that quickly spiritually. But your first step today is a recognition. This is hard. Forgiveness is hard, but it's necessary. And it's not an emotion. You think, why do you, you know, I don't feel like it's over. You, you'll never feel like it's over. But you can decide to forgive. And you know what? If you do this, this will bless you more than it will bless the person you're forgiving. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. If you're in this room today, pretty blanket question, but if you're in this room today 
And there's someone in your life that you need to forgive for something that was done at some point in time. And because it's hard, but because it's necessary, you just want me to pray for you about that? Would you just slip your hand up all over this room? Christian, there's somebody I need to forgive for something they did at some point in time. Just raise your hands all over the room right now. Nobody's looking around. God, I pray for those hands raised everywhere and you can put them down. Because those represent real hurts and, uh, and real offense and real heartache. Maybe hourly heartache in the lives of people. Day after day, week after week, month after month, for some year after year. God, I pray that today a decision will be made to forgive. Maybe a decision will be made to forgive someone who's asked for forgiveness and we can call them and say, I'm going to decide to let this go. That doesn't mean I'm saying it's right, but it's the right thing for me to do to forgive you, so I forgive you. Maybe it's a decision to forgive someone who doesn't really care that they've hurt us. But Lord, their hurt of us one time has turned into a continual hurt because we've not been able to forgive and let it go. So help those who raised hands and those who didn't, but in their heart have someone they need to forgive, to today decide to forgive. As a matter of fact, if you just raise your hand or if there's a person in your life that you need to forgive, I'm just going to ask you to say this prayer with me this morning. I'm not going to ask you to pray it out loud. I don't want to embarrass you in front of the people you're sitting by. But in your heart, you can pray this prayer. In your head, you can pray this prayer. You don't even have to move your mouth. God hears the hearts of our prayers, thoughts of our mind. And if you need to forgive today, I want you to pray this prayer. Dear God, I need you to help me forgive. God, I'm not admitting that I'm over it. Certainly not admitting that I don't care it happened. And Lord, I'm not saying that today I'll let go of this and never think about it again. But I know I need to forgive. Because I have been forgiven. And I want to be more like Jesus than the rest of the world is. So help me today to decide to forgive. And begin to free me spiritually to live for you. Because I can let go of those and those things that have hurt me. Today I decide to forgive. And you fill in the blank. Say their name. Don't say it out loud, but just in your head. Go ahead and say their name. God, I forgive person X. Help me to decide to forgive them every day until the emotion becomes real in my heart and the hurt goes away. Now with every head still bowed and every eye still closed, the greatest forgiveness anyone needs is God's forgiveness on your life. Because like we read about in Galatians chapter 5, none of us live a perfect life, but God says my standard is your perfection. That would mean a lot of trouble for us if God didn't forgive us when we fell short. And the Bible says that the wages of sin, falling short of God's standards, are death, but the gift of God is eternal life. You know, you don't have to do anything to earn God's favor, to earn God's love, to earn God's forgiveness today, but ask for it. And if you're in this room and you've never asked God to forgive you, the things you've done in your life that he wouldn't have wanted you to do. If you've never asked Jesus, who taught our lesson today in Matthew chapter 6, to forgive you, to help you become a Christian, and to help you live your life, 
If you've never asked God to give you eternal life forever and ever in heaven. And today you can become a Christian and be forgiven, not by doing anything more than just praying to accept God's love for you. It goes something like this. If you're in here and you need to do this this morning, you can pray this prayer. Just not even, again, not out loud, just in your heart. God is listening to the prayers of your heart today. You can pray this prayer. Dear God, I need your forgiveness in my life. Forgive me for not always being who you want me to be. And wash away my sin. I ask Jesus, the Savior of the world, to come into my life. And today I accept His offer of forgiveness and eternal life for me. Today I want to follow Jesus. Today I want to be forgiven. One day I want to live forever in heaven with you. God, I'll take those things today since you're offering. Thank you for saving me, changing me, and giving me eternal life. With every head bowed and every eye closed, please, nobody looking around, if you just prayed that prayer today to become a Christian, to follow Jesus, you've never done that before, would you just slip your hand up so that I can know and celebrate with you? Yep, yep, anybody else? Awesome. Lord, thank you for forgiving us, teaching us to forgive others. Help the people in our church to be different because they decide to forgive. And, uh, and Lord, they let go. And maybe they keep letting go, but they let go so their heart and life can be freed from the bondage they've been in that somebody committed against them. We need your help to do this. I pray that you'll be with us today and every day for the rest of our life as we seek out to live a life being forgiving people. Let's see things in Jesus' name today. And everyone said, Amen. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do.